Welcome to the Petro Plaza podcast, where we talk to industry leaders about the hottest topics around fuels, convenience, and car wash, where we look at the service station of today and tomorrow. So I'm here with uh, Doug Hack, the president of Parkland USA. Uh, we've just seen an incredible session uh, along with Toyota. We even had a senator here to talk about um, the, the issue of swipe fees, which we know in the US is, is a really big topic for, for the industry. I wanted to take a deeper look into what Parkland is, is doing right now. You've been very active in the market through a number of acquisitions. You've started expanding. Well, in Canada, you're already um, one of the leading players, but you've started to expand in the US more. And you've also seems that you've focused your kind of seasonal concept on, on the run. Yes. After the acquisition. So could you just talk us through some of these major movements that you've done in the last years and what is kind of the general strategy of Parkland in the US and if you want to touch on Canada as well, that would be great. Right. So we are we're obviously have been in building a business across Canada for, for the last decade in particular. Um, two thousand sites across Canada, coast to coast. We like to say you know, 90% of Canadians live within five clicks of one of our stores, so we have pretty good coverage across the country, although, you know, always work to do. Um, in the U.S., it's been much more of a focused effort. We have acquired 20 companies in the last probably 36 to 40 months. Um, so we now have uh, 212 of our own stores. We have 445 dealers that we supply and work with every day. Um, as well as a large commercial business. So we're also a big player in the diesel business, um, both at truck stops and card locks, as well as, you know, backyard and sort of commercial customers at their property. So we like to, you know, we like to work on both sides of the gas diesel balance. And uh, yes, and we've got a big focus on electrification and servicing the growing base of EV customers that we know are coming. Um, and we have a very unique you know, a lot of what we talked about at the at the conference here today was sort of the unique opportunity we have in British Columbia, where it's sort of a microcosm of the future, because we have almost 20% of the cars being sold now are EVs. So it's a really good chance for us to learn from the leading edge, understand how to service those customers, understand the infrastructure we need, understand the you know the site experience, the real estate that's necessary, the technology we have to integrate. You know, there's a lot to do, but we're very excited about the opportunity. Before we move into the, the topic of electrification, uh, which, which is part of the presentation today, and it's, it's a fascinating one, I wanted to ask, you know, through all these acquisitions that you've done, uh, one of the challenges is how to unite all oh, those yeah. brands and that culture. So what, what can you say about that? Well, I think, you know, it, it does start with people and culture. And we have a very intense focus on our people and their communities. So one of the things that we've really built across the company is you know a team that's focused on the team i always tell people team first you can't take care of a customer if you haven't taken care of each other and so we have a, a group of employees and teammates and associates that make it their job to integrate the new employees the new teammates it's not some integration team's job it's not just the leadership's job it's every employee at every level at every store every branch every dispatch hub you know, because I can stand up there and say that all day long, but if they don't feel that welcome from the guys or gal sitting next to them, then it doesn't carry a lot of weight, right? So we found that that's really sounds super simple and obvious, but it's the most important part of making integration work. Because I think when um, in in Canada it's different because you're so settled in in the industry, but when you're coming into the 
the US with hopes of, I guess, being a major retailer. You got stores all over the US, right. which is already quite ambitious. Normally, it's more localized in the US. Um, I guess you need to use everything because there's so many great brands in the US when it comes to convenience store industry. So uh, what do you think are the key points that you need to make sure you have the highest standard to be able to compete in such a dynamic market? No, I mean, it's and we're, you know, I think we are distributed across the US, but our strategy has been much, very tightly focused. It's not obvious if you just look at the map, right? But if you look at why we bought those businesses, where we bought them and and how the businesses they were in that we incorporated into our, our operations. Um, you know, we run, we're in markets that are are rapidly growing, right? So we, we like to be in markets where there's new customers every day because we are gonna be faced with this EV transition and it introduces a lot of uncertainty. There could be demand destruction. We know there's gonna be demand destruction just from fuel economy improvements, right? And so, you know, we've if you look at our markets across, you know, Idaho, I mean, you know, we made big investments last year in Idaho well, people don't realize over the last 10 years, the fuel demand in Idaho has doubled, right? So there are lots of new customers, right? Um, same thing in Miami, one of the fastest growing cities in the US. It's the capital of the Caribbean where we have, you know, we have investments in 23 countries. A lot of our staff comes in and out of Miami. So it was really made a ton of sense for us to be there. And it met the customer sort of profile that we really want to service. The other thing that, that we do is we are, we are vertically integrated on supply, right? So we run ships, we run a refinery, we run some pipelines, you know, so the physical supply is a really important dynamic to us. And we like to be in markets where that pays, right? And that typically is in markets where it's hard, <laughs> you know? So, so, you know, we wanna be in growing markets that are also hard to supply. And, you know, when those dynamics come together with good regulation, good governance, fundamental, underlying economy, you know, strength of the economy in that market. You know, that's that's why we're in Idaho, that's why we're in Utah, that's why we're in Northern Arizona, that's why we're in Miami, you know, and, and you'll see us continue to invest in those markets. So it, it is widespread geographically, but it's actually narrowly focused in terms of what we're investing in and where and why. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting because um, if you're able to survive and, and be successful in, in harder markets, then that's lessons that you can take not only to other parts of the US, but to other countries in the yes. Caribbean um, or otherwise. Talking about lessons that you can bring from one place to another, in Canada, you, you've uh, announced and established a very clear intention of being a big EV charging player. I think recently you announced that you wanted 100 uh, ultra-fast chargers. And we know that some parts of Canada could be similar to California, maybe in terms of the mindset of society. So what, what can you tell us about the, these plans to, to become a ma major charging player? And how does that, you know, um, go into the your traditional fueling right. business? Right. Well, I, th I think, I mean, one, we have a unique opportunity to have sort of a living lab where in British Columbia, we're now one in five cars being purchased off the lot as an EV. You add that up, there's a lot of new customers to service. There's not a lot of infrastructure. So we think that being you know, early to that, to that equation is gonna pay off in spades because once people find a reliable place to, to meet this need, we think that could be a very sticky customer long-term. We've, we've invested a ton of work in our loyalty program to make sure that the experience is fully integrated. It's not like some chargers at the back of the lot 
where it's not line of sight, it's not brightly lit, there's no canopy. I mean, we just think those days are way behind all of us, hopefully, and that that doesn't really meet the customer need. They want the same type of bright, safe, secure experience that they have in our modern forecourts today. So we're, we're very focused on that experience. Um, and it just gives us you know, a place to perfect this offering um, that has enough liquidity. Like you need reps, right? Practice counts. And this gives us a chance to do enough sites, enough chargers serving enough customers to really understand what works before we try to accomplish the same type of offering in the US. Fortunately, again, the markets I mentioned that we're in in the US are gonna be slow to adopt EVs, right? They're, they're, they're more distributed they, or they're politically you know, motivated the other direction. I mean, there's all kinds of inputs to the equation from a customer decision standpoint. But you know we're not in California, and we're not going to be in California because one, it's a different type of competition. The government is very hostile to our industry there, so it just doesn't make sense for us to invest. Where you know a lot of the states we are in, you know, are welcoming the investment with open arms. They want to grow. They have great regulation, good governance, and a growing population. So you know we 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 do. We're very thankful to have the opportunities we do in a in a in a province like British Columbia to work with regulators, work with utilities, work with the government, to really figure out this, this balance that's going to be needed to make the transition. It's a great advantage, right? Uh, you could say the same for, for example, Circle K having such yes. a big presence in Norway. In, uh, yeah. in Norway. So they're, they're basically playing in this field that is way ahead. Uh, I mean, one out of five in British Columbia is a really high number. It's almost similar to the ones in Scandinavia. And talking about that experience, I feel like the charging um, customer is not going to be as, as forgiving as maybe other type of customers. When they go to a site and they don't have a positive experience when charging, yes. I think there's going to be a big no to return to that site. So uh, it probably makes sense what you were saying of if you're going to do it, do it right. Yes. Which is something that you, you mentioned. Yeah, don't disappoint. I mean, that first impression is important in all things with customers and people, right? So make sure your first impression doesn't stink, right? Like, so, you know, and these things are, the reliability on these chargers, particularly the high-speed ultra-fast chargers, is not something to be taken for granted at all. They are actually, they take as much maintenance or more, you know, we've perfected fuel dispensers over the past hundred years. I mean, you, you know, you just beat the heck out of them and they just work, right? These chargers are not at that level of reliability. They're not at that level of maturity in terms of product. So it's gonna take a commitment to reliability. I mean, we're starting to monitor, you know, the sites around us where there is offerings in our markets today. And the, the uptime that we see is atrocious and customers are reflecting that. And they're very vocal about it because this is a digital experience through and through. So they're finding your site using locators or their car screen, you know, will we'll direct them to available chargers. And then when they show up, and, and a lot of times they're not the most convenient location because there's not, they're not ubiquitous. So they may have had to driven across town or across their neighborhood and not just stopped on the way, you know, where they normally would be able to stop. So the fact that they go to that extra effort and then you're not reliable for them is, is really going to be penalized, we think, by the customer. And, you know, as, as you said, a much kind of a higher, more demanding customer than, than maybe what we have in the field business today. Another thing that you mentioned that I thought was very interesting during the presentation, which I'd already seen is the competition that um, Parkland um, kind of partook in or supported uh, with, I think it's called Electric um, Electrify Canada. Electric Autonomy, I think it was? It, yeah. So, yeah, where basically a number of um, 
Architecture Studios presented designs for the electric station of the future. I had a look through them. There were some fascinating concepts. So one thing that I thought is interesting that you said is how through this new segment, you actually got the participation from many people across industries to come in. And I think that's fascinating, especially as I think a lot of people that are studying architecture or digitalization have right now some kind of you know deterrence from what yes. would be the traditional fuels industry. However, they're very motivated by this other segment. So I think competitions like that can actually bring in lots of really interesting ideas for this kind of like multi-energy, multi-service yeah. hub of the future. It was, it was an amazing experience for us. I think if we would have went to this same you know group of architects and said, hey, take your precious time and spend on helping us build a better gas station or even a better convenience store, it would have been a resounding no. I have many more important things to work on, right? Um, but given this opportunity to work on, you know, the EV station of the future, it was the response was almost overwhelming. We were we were completely blown away by the level of engagement, the level of creativity, the passion that these folks brought to the project. Um, it was hard to pick a winner because we had so many great designs submitted. Um, but it was just a it, it was a it was a good lesson for us in sort of hey you know, let's open our eyes and our arms and our, you know, and our, and our vendor base to a much broader, uh, you know, spectrum of the economy that, as you said, if we went to them with our traditional business, they would probably ignore us. But there's a lot of excitement around this topic. There's people willing to put, you know, time and effort and passion into it. And I think if we can bring that creativity and innovation into our business, we'll be far better for it. And I think just, you know, a lot of that will bleed across to our store designs in the base case where there hasn't been a lot of innovation, you know, for many years in many, many countries, some there has, but, you know, I think, you know, when you look at Canada, you look at parts of the US, it's a pretty standard box in most cases, right? So we think there's a tremendous opportunity for, for innovation, both architecturally, technically, you know, user experience, loyalty, that uh, really goes far beyond what our industry offers today. Well, as somebody who's um, half Scottish, I was quite happy that the, the winner was a Scottish <laughs> company. It, as a final um, question, I wanted to say, you know, we're getting increasing competition from uh, as we diversify the business with uh, better food service and now all types of energy, our competition also increases. Yes. And as we think about these mobility um, energy hubs, what, what, what kind of services are you looking at that you think will be the differentiating factor you know, against the competition from all sides, not only another energy retailer, but maybe another cafe. We do think food is the biggest differentiating point. We we recently made a $350 million investment in a food company in Canada called M&M that, that I don't know as an American, but Canadians all know that brand. It's been, it's been revered across the, the country for many, many decades. Um, and they've recently gone through an incredible transformation in their business with their retail experience around food. And we think that, you know, we need to define level of expertise and, and scale in food that we couldn't build on our own. So we acquired that. That team is now working with our store designers and our merchandisers and our category managers across, you know, in a very integrated effort to totally transform how we look at food service and, and the experience of food that customers have at our sites. So I think that's a big one. I think the other one is, you know, we have an incredibly untapped opportunity around the digital experience itself, right? We have the most convenient locations, the most convenient real estate. So the ability to expand our digital reach into that domain with, with loyalty and with geolocation apps and that whole digital customer experience platform 
is really going to open the vista for us to offer all kinds of new products and experiences in the most convenient place to get them, right? Because eventually, even though it's digital, you do physically need to get the product, right? Um, or experience the service. So, you know, that's where we think we can add tremendous value to the real estate investments we've made by having the best corners at Maine and Maine and the, you know, densest part of town with the most activity or the, you know, the great exit off the interstate where travelers are going to come through and need all kinds of services. You know, I just, it's, there's, we just see tremendous potential upside for our business. We're here at the NAC show. It's the first official day of the trade fair. Do you have your eye on any specific technological uh, developments? I'm more of a junkie for the food side. So I'm always looking for the, the latest trend that, you know, we can put on an end cap and, and blow out of the stores that people are just dying to have. And there seems to be a new one every year. So I'm always hunting for that hot product. All right, that's great. Well, it's great to have you here in Petroplaza, Doug, and enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks, Oscar. Really appreciate it.